0: Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: This is the CC
0: Radio Podcast. It was just the most massive. Thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like, the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling, like, you can't explain it when you don't know You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is.
1: We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked
0: out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review, or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family, and that would help us grow. Hey guys, just wanted to jump in quick before this episode. This is a replay
1: of an episode I featured on in a podcast called The Paranormal Portal. Brent does a great show over there, and he pumps out three shows a week on his podcast feed, plus a live stream show on YouTube every night, so he does 10 pieces of content each week. He's a bloody madman. We chat everything from cryptids to UFOs, and I actually share a few of my, and I say this in bunny ears, encounters in the second half of the show. So be sure to show The Paranormal Portal some love, and go subscribe to their show, because it is absolutely fantastic. I'll leave a link for it in the show notes below. But that's enough for me talking. Sit back and enjoy this very special episode of Believe with the Paranormal Portal.
2: ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the paranormal portal i'm your host brent thomas and i'm absolutely thrilled you guys are here with me tonight and uh today or whenever you're listening to the show but uh got a really special show lined up for you all so i'm really excited to unravel this uh this is a chance to reach around the globe and uh have a heart to art discussion with, uh, my counterpart on the other side of the world. So <laughs> that's pretty exciting. But, uh, if you've got an, a, an experience or an encounter of your very own and you'd like to submit it to the show, then please email me at paranormalportalradio at com, And I'll be really looking forward to seeing all those submissions. So, um, but tonight I want to welcome to the show Mr. Cade Moya. Uh, now Kate is a, a podcaster from down in Australia and he, he kind of has, uh, up in that kind of, he totally has a paranormal podcast down there. That's doing amazing. Uh, just a really well done production. And, uh, the guy puts a lot of heart and soul into what he's doing and he's doing g- great things down there, but, uh, welcome to the show brother. And thank you for coming on.
1: Oh, thanks mate. It's a pleasure to be on.
2: It's my pleasure. Um, You know, you and I have just recently met each other, but the paranormal just seems to suck you in, doesn't it? I mean, how did this journey kind of start for you? Oh, mate, it's a a funny
1: story because I've had uh, a bit of a lifetime full of these little weird encounters that I wouldn't hold to to full on experiences, but they're just enough for me to intrigue myself into the world of the paranormal. So, mm-hmm. I guess it it kind of starts with uh, I believe I once saw uh, a yowie only just recently, and I would recently I say maybe the last four years. Oh, um, and for those who don't know, a yowie is the Australian version of the uh, the Bigfoot or the Sasquatch, mm-hmm. and uh, they I. I like to I'm gonna say for Australian pride, ours are a little bit bigger. They're, oh, yeah. they're six to eleven feet tall.
2: <laughs> oh nice. Okay. They are pretty good size and, then.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I used to live in this very wooded area and I had a house and we built it and it was on the side of a cliff. It was absolutely fantastic. But because it was on the side of a cliff, it had to be built on these really, really big poles. And um they were about thirteen meters off the ground and wow. I Cannot convert that to uh to uh, to the uh americanized uh number system because uh I only know metric and yeah. the rest just freaks me out they're just they 're <laughs> just really tall <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely, and I remember looking over my balcony and I saw across this we had this big alley oh, not an alleyway more like a um, an easement where there was just nothing but rainforest mm-hmm. and I see a a silhouette of this this creature, and i couldn 't see any any definition to it or anything like that but where it we was standing it would have had to been about nine ten foot tall oh man and uh it just disappeared and it kind of made me start to connect a couple of dots between what i was hearing when living above a rainforest uh-huh. to what i saw because i would hear wood knocks i would hear like a a bipedal thing walking around the house but because where he, where I live in Australia, it's it's not uncommon to have large birds or or anything like that walking through the rainforest as well. So,
2: mm.
1: I was I was never really cemented on that idea that was that a, is that a yowie walking down underneath my house. Mm-hmm. But it when I saw this thing across the uh, the alleyway, I kind of thought
2: maybe it is, <laughs> maybe that is a yowie down there. <laughs> That's pretty solid, brother. I mean, that and what a what an amazing opportunity to see something that you know only you know very few people actually get to lay on it uh, lay eyes on them you know
1: oh absolutely absolutely and I mean I only saw it for a very very split second because it was kind of the, out of the corner of my eye and by the time I look back at it it was it was almost disappeared from my my field of view but yeah it uh it kind of stuck with me and um it kind of led me on this path to try find out more about it and then I got stuck into podcasts like, um, the confessionals, Sasquatch Chronicles, <laughs> things like that. And I was just hooked ever since.
2: <laughs> yeah. Those are, those are amazing shows. And Tony and Wes do phenomenal jobs. In fact, that's, that's funny because, um, you know, for the paranormal portal, I, I pretty much, I, I cut my teeth in, in the Bigfoot world listening to Wes. You know, I mean, I, I, I was just, I, I worked in a cubicle in a company. And I'd be sitting there and I'd put in my earbuds because I didn't need to talk on the phone or anything. And, and I'd just go through my day listening to Sasquatch Chronicles. And, and I started to get this bug. I, I was like, you know, I, I think I really want to do this, but I'd like to do it about all of the paranormal. But I really patterned a lot of what I do and how I do it, uh, off of West, or at least I, at least I, I pay homage to that as much as I can because, uh, he's just got such an amazing show. He has such a great presence. And I, I agree with him in a lot of ways that I think we learn more probably talking to the people who experience it rather than just exclusively from researchers and people that have ideas. Because, um, I don't know how it is in Australia, brother, but for the Yowie community, but in the, in the U.S., the Bigfoot community is really kind of really fractured and, and splintered in a lot of ways. And uh, there seems to be a lot of competition rather than cooperation. And But you don't get that from experiencers, people that are experiencing things and calling in going, hey, this is what happened. This is what I saw. And I don't know what to do with it, but it's just blowing me away. And it ends up being a really cathartic experience for those people too because a lot of times at the end of those you'll hear like, wow, it feels really good to finally talk to somebody about this, you know?
1: Oh, most definitely, most definitely. I mean, down here in Australia, there seems to still be a lot of stigma around these things. So a lot of people are a little bit hesitant to talk about you oh. know, they I saw a an imaginary monster that's not exposed <laughs> to exist. Right. And um it's I've I've got a lot of feedback from people who've come on my show that this is the first time that they've ever felt they could speak to someone about it and not feel like they're judged or gonna get ridiculed because the, the listeners that I have for our show, they they're they're fully supportive and it's it's really like a little community now. It's it's mm-hmm. amazing.
2: Yeah. And that and that's true too for the portal. I, and it's something I take a lot of pride in is is the fact that somehow people seem to find the shows. Now now we also do uh, we not only do the podcasting, uh, on the Revolver Network, um, which is the, the same network that, uh, Wes and Tony are on, but we also do a YouTube show as well. And, uh, you know, we've been streaming live and, and the, the chat rooms and the community that's formed around the live shows has been really amazing. And, uh, we've, we've actually kind of formed this, uh, community of people that are also Willing to extend themselves to help, and and by that I mean we've got paranormal investigators, we've got uh, uh, UFO researchers and experiencers, and we've got uh, Bigfoot uh, researchers and uh, psychics, and it's just really f- turned out to be kind of a, a a hidden perk because I'll get people reaching out with their problems. They'll have these terrible hauntings and things they're experiencing. And it feels really good to go, well, you know what? I know someone I can put you in touch with. And, and I've made connections for people and to hear back that, hey, it was great. Everything's taken care of. Thank you so much. Um, so the, the community really is a big part of these shows, isn't it?
1: Oh, it, it really, it really is. And to, to know that you can just help someone by sharing their story, which then it's a knock on effect. That may help someone else. It's, it's such a great feeling.
2: Right. And it snowballs, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so now explain to me a little bit about the dynamics of the Yowie because I can't pretend I know a whole lot about it. Um I'm, you know, decently versed in the in the North American, you know, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, but how as far as you understand it, what are the differences between uh, a Bigfoot and the Yowie or is there any? Oh,
1: look, I I'll, I'll tell you from the the differences I've noticed from the people who have come on my show, mm-hmm. because, I mean, my experience was over 50 meters away, so it, it doesn't really hold much value. Sure. But the people who have come on my show who have almost face-to-face encounters with these creatures is they're very much, you know, the the same creature that you have over there Okay. in the sense that the, the Sasquatch and the Bigfoot. However, the, the main thing that I've noticed that is different between the creatures is the Yowie seem to have a rounder head.
2: Oh, okay. So they're where
1: not- the where the the Sasquatch um seems to have a little bit more of an oblong type
2: of shape. Oh, okay. Now that's interesting. So th- are they also known to have? The canonical, the, 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 what am I trying to say? Can, I don't want to say canonical. <laughs> what about the cone head? Do they also have the the sagittal crest? I guess. The, no, the, no, that's that's what okay. I mean. They're they're more like a, a human head,
1: where oh. um, it's that more traditional shaped head. Where um, yeah, like the the Sasquatch and um, the the Bigfoot, they do have that cone shape, mm-hmm. which is the number one thing that I have found to be different between these two creatures.
2: That's really interesting. Now. In the U.S., we have this idea of, well, many researchers have the idea that there's like different types. So a type one would be consistent with the Patterson Gimlin film, uh, that, that description it would be like the type one. So a very, very large, strong animal being. I don't want to say animal because I think they're so much more intelligent than that, but, but being, um, mostly covered in here. And then the type two, allegedly, Look more chimp like. Excuse me, just a sec. I got to mute. Been talking for a few hours, so (laughs) I'm a little (laughs) froggy. But uh, the type twos look more chimpanzee like um, in the facial features or more ape like. And uh, then there's a type three that really looks like a hairy man, like a human being, very much the same in a lot of the features, seeming to resemble, in a great extent, the Native Americans of of North America, and then there's the type four, which uh, researchers identify as having more of a baboon type of snout, so almost an elongated snout. So those are some of the variations that are reported uh, here. Do you have a similarity to that in the Yaoi's, or are they pretty consistently uh, described in one way?
1: It's either there's two types that I've really encountered. It's they look like a, a man, a hairy man, mm-hmm. or they look like a monkey. Oh, okay. Yeah, so more like a more like a chimpanzee, but a little bit hairier.
2: Oh, gotcha. But but huge though. They're, they're both types. Uh, but are- yeah,
1: <laughs> gigantic, absolutely huge. <laughs> but what's really interesting is Australia also has. It's almost like a an offshoot. It's like a, the spin off to the Yowie. Okay. Um, called the uh, and this pronunciation is really tough. So okay. <laughs> it's um. Uh, which is basically a mini version of a bigfoot so they're these like hairy little humanoid looking creatures that have basically big round heads as well Mm -hmm. covered in black fur and they they usually only get to about three foot tall
2: wow okay so they're they're very diminutive then
1: yeah, absolutely. It's almost like the polar opposite of what the Yowie is. And a lot of people, a lot of reports come in and say that these are maybe juvenile Yowies, but they don't look juvenile. They look fully grown.
2: So we have a similar thing in the U.S. as well. Um, there, there's there's a kind of a, a, a very rural name for them, and I think they're called like Apple Snitch or something like that. And they're they're described very much the same way as, you know, like – uh 2 to 3 feet tall but very hairy and very ape looking or monkey looking and uh and there, there's the albatowich is another one i think but yeah we have we have a similarity to that over here um with the little people and stuff uh there's also apparently gnomes pukwudgies duendes uh uh all these other little things do you do you have a uh, uh, other legends of other little creatures over there like that
1: oh uh, look we not in traditional Aboriginal folklore. I think okay. more so through pop culture and and things like that. You know, mm. with um, you know, scary stories that just kind of get spread. And it's it's almost you know, fact is stranger than fiction when it comes <laughs> to this type of stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, it's really we we don't have a lot of um cryptids in in that sense because we we go into these really weird and fascinating creatures like the uh, the Bunyip, sure. which. When you when you think of the Bunya um, here in Australia, there it's almost like it's a family because there's there's so many different versions of them, and basically, a lot of uh, Aboriginals around Australia they kind of have their own version of the bunyip. and essentially, they're kind of like the the boogeyman from oh. way back in the day. Okay, and uh, essentially, it's kind of like a a almost a a walrus type creature. But it all depends on which one you're you're looking at, because there's so many different types that are kind of uh, expressed in in older folklore. Okay. So you know they have they have tusks, they'll have flippers, they'll have tails, they'll have one eye, they might have five eyes. It's uh, they they, <laughs> it's it's kind of this mismatch of a of a creature, and um, they're absolutely fascinating. No actual. No one I've ever spoken to has ever witnessed a bunyip. but I think it's just a uh, an old wives' tale to scare children.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's good, <laughs> especially with all those creepy features that it may or may not have. That's yeah, absolutely, absolutely. terrible. <laughs> now in the U.S., we 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 often joke that you know, oh my God, Australia, everything wants to kill you down there. You got these these huge spiders, and you got, of course, the saltwater <laughs> crocs, and and you got bunyips and yowies, and and a whole catalog of actual ca- actually cataloged species down there that'll wreck your whole existence in a hurry so uh you yeah, know we
1: don't have to worry about the cryptids too much
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah your normal fauna will wreck your whole life so yeah um but the the interesting thing is is that there are so many people that still experience these strange and and bizarre creatures and as I'm doing the show many times, Cade, and I got to ask you if this is similar to your experience. Um, oftentimes we'll get these, for lack of a better term, like these rogue explanations or, uh, descriptions of things that don't seem to match anything I've ever heard of before. And so it, it's very puzzling. Like, for instance, um, have you heard of the rake? Have you heard of that down there? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So the rake is a new term and now what from what I've been able to ascertain about the rake is that the term rake is new but the creature that it describes seems to really match the the classical definition of what was used to be known as a ghoul. Uh in other words these hairless um naked creatures that would feast on corpses or whatever in folklore. Are you familiar with ghouls? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay. So, but sometimes we'll get different explanations like things that don't even match up to anything I've ever heard before like uh um some oh man, what are what are some of them? But now that I'm thinking about it, it's going to be hard. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Well,
1: I can give you an example from Please. one of my episodes. Absolutely. So, I had this gentleman who came on the show, and he lived in um, rural New South Wales, and he said that he saw this creature. He's never seen anything like it before. You can't even find an example of it online or anyone else running into it. And essentially what it was is basically it was like a a baby-sized rake that had these claws for fingers and had a a mouth almost full of shark-like teeth.
2: Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and horrible. he was he was absolutely mad enough to to try chase this creature because he's like, "No one's going to believe me." Oh. So he went to go chase it, and it almost had like a, an infrasound effect on him, oh, where yeah. he was just thrown down onto the ground in pain from this this almost like supersonic noise that he was hearing.
2: Oh wow, okay.
1: And I've never heard of anything like that in my life.
2: Right, so this little midget rake with infrasound. That's that's yeah. absolutely terrifying.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually really caused this, um, almost a, gr- a community of people to go out in this area to try and find this
2: creature. And nobody else has seen it? Not yet. Oh my god. Yeah, and maybe that's good. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's just gone, hopped, <laughs> hopped in the ship and went home or whatever the deal is. But for sure. So with, with like infrasound uh, again, do the, are the always attributed with infrasound as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay.
2: So that is a commonality as, as well between the two species.
1: Yeah. It's, it's really interesting because the way that I I just interviewed this lady and her story was absolutely fascinating. She had a a family of Yawis that surrounded her rural property Mm -hmm. and the infrasound that they, they did, I believe this is to, to be uh, in, an infrasound, I guess, side effect, is it started to almost warp her reality where she would be looking at her fingers and her fingers were growing at two or three times their normal length. Oh, wow. It was, it was really, really weird. And not only that, she would hear like tremendous tropical rain. And when it when it rains in my part of the world, it, it absolutely buckets down. And that's what she was hearing. But she would go outside,
2: nothing. Oh, man. That's that's strange.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's really, really weird. So I'd, I don't know if you've had anyone come on your show and say they've had infrasound
2: yeah, effects I, like that. Not like that. I mean, I've certainly heard of people, uh, had people on that claim to be getting zapped. In other words, they were just... All of a sudden they're out of sorts and, and they, they just feel like they're dazed and confused. And many people uh, have claimed that it took like a day or days to get back to normal. Like whatever it had happened, whatever this, this, this infrasound is, it really screws people up for quite a period of time. Yeah,
1: oh, it definitely does. Do you have any thoughts or opinions on what you think infrasound might be?
2: Well, I mean, of course we it's documented in the in the natural animal kingdom with uh with tigers and elephants use infrasound. Uh tigers use it as they're stalking their prey to get them in that dazed and confused state so that you know obviously it's a uh improves their chances of predation, but uh I'm not sure how elephants utilize it, but I imagine it's uh, has the same effect, but for some reason the the frequency of that sound seems to really disrupt the, the, the neurological functions in the brain. Or maybe it, maybe it really attacks the inner ear and, and causes that whole equilibrium shift that takes a while to sort. I don't know. But that, it is really curious, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's, it's really, really fascinating because these people, they, they take quite a while to recover from what they've, they've just had happen to them, essentially.
2: Yeah. Now, have you also heard of, with uh, Bigfoot investigating, uh, I often hear claims of that not only uh, are they maybe transdimensional, and, and I don't know what to think about things like that because I don't have a point of reference, but in just listening to what people have reported that, uh, you know, I've had reports of a guy called in once and said, you know, I saw it. I was in a field uh, behind my house in the woods. There was a field right before the woods, tall grass but he said he could only see this bigfoot from the waist up everything below that didn't exist like it was half phased in half phased out but we often get reports of of people having malfunctioning gear like uh you know their their camera won't work or or their their phone won't work or you know if they have uh, like an infrared scope that won't work uh lots of equipment failures that seem to suggest like an em field being uh present as well is that are you familiar with that in, in what you've heard
1: oh uh, in nearly every case wow. that i've i've spoken to someone yeah um it's I, I, and i don't know maybe this is a yawi trait is um it they almost seem to just dis- disappear in front of people
2: yes no i <laughs> go ahead go ahead
1: and it's almost like they're just walking across an uh say a bush track or something like that. And they I've had people say, I saw it disappear.
2: Yeah. Doesn't that just cook your bacon? I mean, how do you handle that? What do you do with that?
1: Oh, it it's it's really interesting because I have <laughs> I have a theory that, you know, maybe they're not these dimensional creatures. I just think the Yowie or, you know, the the Bigfoot, the the Sasquatch, mm-hmm. they that's just their evolution. Yeah. in the sense that you know, we we evolve and we use technology to you know improve ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I I essentially believe that the the Yowie, their technology is the bush. It's the rainforest. It's the forest that they they're in. Sure. And essentially they they're the masters of their domain. So if they know how to to walk a certain angle, turn a different way, they can essentially become part of the bush and turn invisible to the human eye.
2: Right. No, that's, that's and, a great explanation. Yeah, and I
1: think that's e- exactly what it – well, not exactly, but that's just my theory on what that might be because, I mean, evolution happens and we're doing it with technology. Why can't they do it with the what their technology would be?
2: That's brilliant. I, I really like that. Uh, that might be the first time that somebody has explained that in a way that that makes sense to me. And I've heard other people try to, you know, try to explain, explain. In, in natural terms, but it's never quite shifted in my head correctly. But what you're saying really makes sense to me, and I and I commend you on that. But I've I mean I've thought about this so much, and I've even thought you know maybe maybe they're they're able to even shift the pigment in their skin like a cuttlefish or a, or an octopus. You know how they how they can just like suddenly become a piece of coral because they can shift their skin and pigmentation into. Uh, uh, an exact pattern match to whatever they're by. I've thought oh, it,
1: totally. That's a that's a really fantastic point as well.
2: Well, I don't know if it is or not because you know, I mean, it's one of those things that there's there's of course no other precedent except with marine life or iguanas to a degree, but uh, I don't know. I I think you're right though. I, you know, they probably would know how to exploit our our. um our biology. And and by that, I mean, I'm sorry if I'm I'm maybe sounding a little scattered, but this is really exciting for me to just kind of compare, compare notes. But um, I, I, years ago, I went to a science museum when I lived in Minnesota, and uh, there was an exhibit, and it was talking about the human, human body. And there was this one exhibit um, that they had in there that discussed the eyes. And if you stood on this one point, Um, there were these two pretty good sized black dots that were at almost a 45 degree angle, but maybe a little, a little less or a little more than that. Maybe they were at about a 50, 55 degree angle, but they were a certain specific distance away to the right and to the left of center. So you're looking straight ahead. But when you got into the certain marked spot on the floor, you could see them on the first spot, but then they have you walk slowly up to the second spot. And so you walk slowly up to the second spot, and sure enough, those two dots absolutely disappear. They just quit existing. And uh, the way they explain it, of course, is that this is a natural gap in our visual field, but our brains make it seem seamless. So we actually do have gaps in our visual field, and uh, is it possible— Uh, You know, by some measure, and I think I actually saw it on the hex files one time, too, but they were they were discussing this very thing that there are there are parts of our visual field that that really just don't exist. Our eyes can't see them, but our brain fills it in to make it look like it's absolutely uh, smooth and seamless. So could they know how to exploit that? And I don't know, maybe. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's that's a
1: really interesting theory, isn't it?
2: (laughs) It's just, you know, the thing with the paranormal that that is 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 my my fallback is just that every theory is just as valid as any other because we we just don't know we just don't oh, that's know. it yeah that's it nobody knows and that's
1: that's the great thing about hearing everyone's story because usually everyone tells a story that's just a little bit different and it just shines a light on this this topic that is just it just makes you look at things different every time and i think that's fantastic
2: It really is. And it's an, it's an ever evolving idea. I guess the paranormal is, but, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break. So just hold on for just a couple minutes and we will be right back with more of, uh, Cade Moore and the paranormal portal in just a moment. Don't go away. You had a good break, and uh, welcome back. I am Brent Thomas, your host, and I'm joined by Cade Moore, who is the host and creator of Believe, uh, which is a podcast, paranormal podcast. Brilliantly done, uh, excellent, excellent job, Cade, on that, by the way. But thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, thanks, mate. It's uh, it's like I said, it's an absolute pleasure, and it's it's really refreshing and fun to talk about these topics with uh, someone else in the
2: field. Right now, that's a that's a good question. Do you ever get out in the field yourself?
1: No, I don't. Okay. See, where I live, it's uh, I'm so far away from other communities because I basically I live in I live in a tropical paradise part of Australia. Oh, nice! And it's it's so fantastic, but um, <laughs> up here it's it's a little bit scarce in the in the sense that we don't usually get a, a lot of paranormal. Uh, events or, or anything like that. So a lot of that happens a lot further south. I basically live right at the, the top of Australia, and all that happens all the way down the bottom, and that's about 5,000 kilometers away. It's uh it's oh, a lifetime wow. away.
2: So, it is a huge country. It, it definitely is. But uh, do you have winters where
1: you're at, by the way? Uh, look, we are just coming out of our winter, and uh, for us, a, a cold day would be about 14 degrees Celsius.
2: Oh, that's not bad at all.
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's rarely you rarely get out of uh shirts and shorts territory where i live
2: uh are you guys is there yeah <laughs> you have to send me some uh rental information there because i i i'm in my <laughs> i'm in my happy place when i'm in my shorts and t-shirt and we're just uh starting to peak towards fall here and it's and it's really got me kind of bummed so uh i'm envious brother maybe oh. maybe living in paradise even your ghosts are happy. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, where where I'm from, there's not a lot of um haunting activity. So that that could explain quite a lot. We do have a lot of Yowie and UFO activity, but in in the terms of uh of uh hauntings, we're quite quiet. Oh, okay.
2: So, how about how about UFOs? Have you ever seen one?
1: Yeah, I have. I've seen two. Ooh,
2: fantastic. Would you
1: yeah, mind? So, sharing that?
2: Do you, do you want to hear the story? I would love to hear the story, yeah. <laughs> so um,
1: when, I was a, when I was in high school, I used to uh, work on boats. So I used to um, basically repair boats. So i paint them, things like that. Mm-hmm. And the boat I was working on, it got actually called out by the Navy to participate in some uh, war games. Oh. And while we were out doing the war games, we, we, basically the boat that I was on, it was supposed to be a pretend uh, pirate ship. Oh and that's essentially the the war games that they were trying to replicate is people sneaking into Australia. Oh gotcha. And um they had helicopters and and kind of everything going around and we we got installed with some very very big spotlights. Okay. And essentially we we got told over the radio that you guys need to shut your spotlights off immediately because there's something we don't know um flying around. Oh. And all of a sudden there was this Bright light would have been much bigger than the moon, but it was very, very low. And uh, it kind of hovered over the the ocean edge and basically shot right over us and the the big navy ship. And essentially everything was called off after
2: that. (laughs) Wow, that's intense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh it was it was quite a sight to behold and uh, there was no explanation ever ever done for it. it. Who knows it could have been part of the navy games, but uh-huh. for 16-year-old me, that was a live UFO that I saw. <laughs>
2: That's amazing. So it was just a big orb a, a big orb of light is what it appeared Just as? A, just a big bright light. It was it was
1: fascinating. And brilliant. and the and the speed it shot off at, it was at that time, I couldn't think of anything – no human-made aircraft could fly
2: that quick. Wow. That's really intense.
0: Yeah, I've, I've it, actually was, experienced it was quite a too. sight.
2: I've, I, I've seen a UFO myself, and uh, um, it's an interesting story. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll just – go over it quickly um because absolutely well what had happened was i i live in the north tip of idaho which is almost in in canada land i mean like we're like canada light here so (laughs) we're right up on the edge but uh i i did i used to live in minnesota and i and i would telecommute for this company i was working at which was headquartered in the town that i live in now and uh i i would have to travel out here um quite a bit because of of work meetings and stuff and and vendor meetings and et cetera et etc, so I flew out here one time and and the boss of the company said, "Hey, you know i've got a mountain house uh it's not it, it's all done, but we don't live there yet, but while you 're in town, rather than get you a hotel, do you just want to stay in our house in the mountains." I was like, well, yeah, that'd be nice. So, so I, I, I was up there alone in his, in his mountain cabin. It, well, it used to be a mountain cabin, but he built it into a big house. And, uh, I'm up there by myself and it's about, uh, late, maybe March. Yeah, I guess it's, I'm thinking it's late spring. Uh, so I'm thinking about March. And, uh, I'm up there and he's got night vision binoculars. And I was really excited about that because, well, for one, there's no noise pollution out there. There's just no, no unnatural light. It's just blank sky in the mountains and uh, no light pollution from any cities or streetlights. And secondly, because most of the stars in our, in our galaxy are red stars and are not readily visible with the naked eye. So that, you know, you actually need help with infrared to see all of the stars that are present. And so, I I got out the night vision binoculars after I was up there it was all dark the it was a beautiful night there was a little bit of a moon but the the sky was just like a jewel box just glowing and so I got out the night vision binoculars and turned them on and looked up at the sky and it was just amazing uh there were so many more stars in the sky that I couldn't recognize constellations anymore it was just there was all these new lights that were in the in the visual field with these night vision binoculars. And so I'm looking and looking and looking around. And this is pretty much the first time in my life I've ever got to play with night vision binoculars. So I start dorking around and looking around the valley. And it, the, the house is situated on one side of a mountain valley. And there's a stream running down below about maybe 250 yards down from the house. And, uh, then it, of course, goes up to the other side of the mountain valley, uh, uh, in the distance. And so I'm looking over to the opposite side of the mountain valley, and these are only five power binoculars, so they're not really, not really a whole lot of magnification going on, but a little bit. And I'm looking at the trees on the other valley, and it's, you know, dark enough that, you know, I couldn't really see much with my naked eye. But I could see it so clearly with the, with the night vision and I'm having fun. And I look down to the side that I'm on. I pan over and look down the driveway, which is pitch black because it's under the canopy of the trees. But in the night vision, I can see it and I'm looking around and, and I suddenly pan up and on top of this great big pine tree, about 30 feet above it, uh, looking through the night vision binoculars is a huge saucer sitting there, no kidding. sitting there silently in the night sky, and it's and it's got, it, it's like the two proverbial pie plates, you know, but there's a gap between them, and then this gap between the two pie plates making up the saucer are these panels, and these panels are lighting up in a circular motion going around and around and around. It's got lights on the top pie plate and the bottom pie plates, but they're very subtle, but these flashing lights going around, and I was like, oh my god, you know, I've seen a flying saucer, like the proverbial flying saucer sitting right here, in this mountain valley with me and I'm just I'm just having a field day. I wasn't afraid at all, but I was just absolutely beside myself because all my life I'd always had room in my belief system for there being visitors from other planets and there being UFOs. I just always believed that that was the case. But all my life I'd been looking at the night sky and never seeing anything that was anomalous. And I was always disappointed by that because, you know, hearing all the stories of other people that seen it, but there it was now in front of me, I'm looking through the night vision binoculars and I'm just in awe. And I looked for probably 30 seconds and and it's just sitting there motionless and it was dead quiet. Not a sound could be heard from this craft, which was maybe 200 yards away from me above this tree. And I'm just tickled because I know in that insta- instance, it's not just a belief that there's other, other things out there. Now I know they're out there. I mean, I'm seeing it right before me. And I thought, oh my God, I got to see this with my own eyes. I lower the binoculars. I can see the trees. I can see the stars behind. I can see everything except the UFO is not there.
1: Oh, that's amazing.
2: I put up the binoculars. It's still there, just sitting there hovering, waiting. I put down the binoculars, it's invisible. I put them up, it's there. Took them down, it's invisible. And I'm like, "Oh my god. They're cloaked. We can't see them. They we can't they can't be seen. This this craft could not be seen with my naked eyes. It was able to hide from the light spectrum that my eyes perceive somehow. And and I don't pretend to know the physics of that, but I know that I could see it in the night vision perfectly. I when I lowered the binoculars, it was not there. There was no sound, no indication it was there at all. And there was enough ambient moonlight that and plus the thing was giving off light. I should by every intents and purposes have been able to see it just as clearly, and it should have been like a Spielberg presentation above the tree there, but it wasn't there. And I was like, oh my god, how they can hide. They're 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 hidden from our normal vision. And then I thought they could be around us anytime, any day. They could be right above us watching us, and we wouldn't know it. And then I thought, oh, wow. And so I, I'm just rattling my brain with this new knowledge, this new information. I'd never heard of this before because I really wasn't a UFO researcher at, by any measure at this time. And uh then, <laughs> then it kind of occurred to me that I was looking at them, and I'm in this mountain valley and I'm alone in this mountain valley. So I'm the only thing going on there. <laughs> Chances are they're sitting there above that tree looking at me. <laughs> I was like, what was going through your mind at that point? That point, at that point, Kate, I was like, this is as real as I need it to be. I don't need this to get more real. I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to bed. And so I, I turned, turned off the binoculars, put them in the case, went in the house, locked the doors, and I sat on the bed for the next three hours until about, about four AM and every once in a while peeking out the blinds to see if anything was going to be coming. <laughs> and to my recollection, nothing else happened, so I, I assume that that was the end of the experience. But that was my encounter, brother.
1: Wow, that's absolutely incredible, Brent. That's, right? that's a- that might be one of the most amazing UFO encounters that I have ever heard.
2: Well, I appreciate that. I mean, it really, it was amazing to me. I, 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 I really thought I was onto something. I really thought that nobody had ever figured this out before. So I, you know, as soon as I got home, went online to UFO groups and stuff and I was like, Hey, and they're like, Oh yeah. You know, researchers are always using night vision. I was like, Oh, I thought I was onto something that, that nobody else had figured out before, but apparently that's been reported before that they couldn't see it. I'd never heard of that though.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think the the most recent uh video of that TikTok you uh, um, UFO yeah. that got released, that would that could only be seen in infrared as well.
2: Oh, okay. Well, then yeah, that may- I didn't know that. I know that well, I know that they were cycling from infrared and uh allegedly uh just normal vision because you see it change color. The display change color and what I read on it was that they were using, it's a, a Raytheon build of the scope they were using, but I think they cycled between normal and infrared, and it was there both ways, but I might be wrong. I don't mean to disagree. Every
1: chance you. that I could be wrong on that one, mate. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, you know, I mean, we both could be. I don't know, but uh, I think I, I I was really impressed by that, by the way, that they did release that, and I was, I was really encouraged because I was hoping maybe we're getting close to disclosure, maybe. What are your thoughts on that, brother?
1: Oh, it's, uh, it's a good topic, isn't it? Because you look at what the, the, mass, the mass media is doing at the moment, and I, I only spoke to a, um, uh, a director of some UFO documentaries here in Australia just last night about this topic, so oh, cool. it's fresh on my mind. And he seems to think, and I'm very much in the, in the same boat as him, that the, the media is almost priming the public for disclosure.
2: Yeah. I you know I agree with you. I I think that there's something to it. But what do you think about like you ever hear of the project project Bluebeam um that that whole theory of plot project Bluebeam where No, what happened? Okay, so Project Bluebeam is essentially um it's kind of like uh creating holograms. And there's 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 some people in the community more more on the conspiracy side of things, but they, they believe that, that perhaps the government will stage or the governments or whatever, you know, however this stuff works. And I'm not a big conspiracy person because I just don't know what to think about all that. And, and I don't pretend to have enough information, but that they would stage, uh, uh, some kind of alien invasion and, uh, would roll out backwards engineered craft that look like they're from outer space and uh you know implement a a whole domination of the world based on this this new threat that really doesn't exist but I don't know what to think about stuff like that
1: it's a little far fetched sometimes right. isn't
2: <laughs> well you know it's just like uh, you know as as I as I go through this and and I I've I've been familiar with the conspiracy uh community for a long time um because i worked in preparedness for a number of years and that goes hand in hand when you when you sell long term food storages and stuff and uh and the conspiracy uh communities that's just that that's the demographic is the people that are waiting for you know doomsday to come but uh yeah of course you know the the problem with that is is that as i as i was so familiar with all of the different conspiracies it didn't seem to matter what was going on those same people would find a conspiracy related to it. And it's just like at a, at some point you just got to go, no, it's, we're just going way too deep into the, into the pool here. We're drinking too much Kool-Aid on this one. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, but you know, I I don't mean to disparage anybody, their beliefs. I, I don't, I don't pretend to know either way, I guess is what I'm saying. But, uh, I, I just find that I'm one person and I probably can't do much about it anyway. So I'm just going to do me, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'll happily be blissfully unaware until I, I need to be aware essentially. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: I th- I think that's the best way to look at it. But uh yeah the UFO stuff is really really interesting um but I you know I'm starting to see kind of a similarity with the Bigfoot field with the UFO fields in that there there's there's the conspiracy UFO people then there's the UFO people and then there's the hardcore scientific UFO people and never shall the three meet it's there's just such a a a, ch- a chasm in in all of that you know, that they don't ever seem to you know come together on, on their thinking because there's so many agendas at work depending on who you're talking to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's kind of a, a real shame, really, because there's there's no reason to say that any of those parties are more right or more wrong than the others.
2: Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean,
1: in, until we, we have a, our hands on a UFO... That's the only way we're ever really going to know who's right in the end.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I had, to, I had uh, uh, Donald Schmidt on the show. And uh, he he's, uh, was part of the, the J. Allen Hynek Institute. He was the, the lead investigator for a number of years. And he's also the co-founder of the Roswell Muse- Museum and Research Center. And uh, he was just an amazing guest. And he talked a lot about the fact that, uh, you know, there was quite a big cover-up. And the whole Roswell crash in New Mexico in 1947. Um, yeah, really. The, well, you know, the it crashed. It left about a, you know, a mile of uh, different trenches as it bounced off the ground. Uh, a whole regiment of the military was was dispatched. Uh, the Air Force was dispatched to collect it. They gave a press release that says, "Yeah, there was a UFO collected." And then the next day the 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 official press release changed to no it was a weather balloon (laughs) so so they they covered it up right away and uh donald was really amazing with with the background information that he had and the the amount of contacts he had made over there and and the interviews that he had conducted with uh people that were related to the people who were present uh for all these events and it was uh it really seems like an episode of the x files It was just so incredibly bizarre, but the amount of cover up and the amount of burying that went on uh and the amount of intimidation that went on to keep these people quiet was just profound Wow
1: yeah it it, was, it really makes you think if if someone's going to to that much effort to to put people's lives in you know in danger or at risk there's there's obviously some truth to it
2: right right yeah and i certainly couldn't argue with the guy i mean he's he he came into it a skeptic when he first started to do this journey he was he was he entered into it with the yeah let's go down there and put an end to this cuz you know they really didn't believe that it was anything but a weather balloon when they started but they also went in with the fact that whatever happened they were going to follow it until they got the answers they needed well they're still following it and uh they're getting more and more answers here and there, but uh, the intrigue just keeps getting deeper as well. So I really believe the guy. I really believe what he's saying. And uh, he certainly isn't the type of person that is just spewing this because he wants to believe something. He's he's just tenacious, and uh, the depth and, and the effort that they've put into this has just been second to none. That's
1: fantastic, and it's always good to go in with that open mind because yes. it's really, really easy to go in there and have preconceived notions that you want to move your investigation towards one certain answer. Right. And to go in there with a with that open mind, and that open view, that that will bring you more answers than anything.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's just, it's an incredible journey. But, uh, you know, the paranormal is an incredible journey, right?
1: Oh, it's fantastic. Every week I get so excited. I get to speak to new people about these new stories, there, new new encounters, things that I've never thought could happen to someone. It always surprises me.
2: Yeah, it really does. And you never know. You're never going to have the same show twice. You never will.
1: Yeah, e- exactly. That's, that's the exciting part about it. It could be the same experience, but it's never the same outcome.
2: Right. Yeah, I agree, brother. But I've really, really enjoyed getting the chance to talk to you and and getting a chance to get to know you and to to create this relationship uh, on the other side of the world. I'm I'm just having a blast.
1: Yeah, it's been fantastic, mate, and it's been such an honor to to be a guest on your show.
2: Well, and the honors all mine too. I, I I'm really excited because I can see that we. We're going to need to have a lot more discussions.
1: <laughs> in, in, in the, I think so. I think so.
2: In the 50 minutes that we've been talking, I, you know, I've, I've got so many more things I want to ask you about. And, and it's just great to, to have, uh, someone, uh, down there doing this work and, uh, bringing that all to our, our consciousness up here. Because sometimes I think we get into these microcosms, you know, like, well, that's the way it is here, so that's the way it is everywhere, but uh, to hear your take on these things, to hear the differences, to you know have a chance to talk firsthand uh, with you and the people in your community, it's it's neat to not only hear the correlations, but to hear the, the differences.
1: Absolutely. It's spot on. It, it's so good to, to, to talk to the people that I, I talk to and then hear the people that you talk to and just go, wow. It, it's happening everywhere.
2: Yeah, it's a global phenomenon. But thank you so much for being on, brother. I, uh, I can't thank you enough for making this happen and uh, making the time for us to get together to make this happen. But uh, I definitely want to have you back as soon as we can. So I hope you're game.
1: Oh, absolutely, mate. I have plenty more to talk
2: about. <laughs> all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap it up for tonight. But I hope you enjoyed our journey down under and to Oz and all the – It just goes to show you that uh, The Wizard of Oz was a tale, but uh, the truth is stranger than the fictions. (laughs) (laughs) So I love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice, take care of each other, help each other out, find the magic in every day, and remember to laugh as much as you can. Good night, everybody, and we'll see you next time on the Paranormal Portal Podcast.
0: And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook and that's facebook.com forward slash believe ufo radio. Until next time, stay safe and you've been listening to believe Australian paranormal and UFO radio.